We are a place where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and anything is possible. You got it. We exist as a church so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. How many know that Jesus is the only one that can change a life? Say amen. Amen. We welcome you. If you're a first-time guest or repeating guest, a repeating guest, I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but we're glad that you're here. We welcome those that are joining us online. And for the first time in several weeks, uh, we are now live at the Tupelo campus. Make some noise for those guys over there. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We are glad that you're here and we're beginning a brand new series. It's a series that we've used before, but never this year. So it's called Love Your City 2017, because it's 2017. But I'm pumped about this, this series and what God is going to do in and through it. Before we get to the, the passage uh, that we're going to begin with today, let me just say a couple of things. One, Fall Fest is coming up, man, and we are pumped about that. We really are. It's an excellent opportunity for family and to serve and to fellowship together. So be sure you're signing up for all that stuff at both of our campuses. And also, uh, following this service today at both of our campuses, we are <clears throat> offering a, a short, I say it's short, it's, it's an hour or so, uh, three-circle training on Vision Sunday. When I shared with you, one of our strategies is to train our people and for our people to share a gospel presentation with someone. The three circles is an excellent way um, of, of doing that. And if you would just like a little extra um, training with that, stay today. We would love to have you uh, be a part of that. Also, this coming Saturday at both campuses, we will be canvassing. That also was something that I shared on Vision Sunday, and that is that we're going to be, several times a year, we're going to be doing outreach in our communities. And so this particular Saturday, we're meeting at 10 o'clock at both of our campuses, and we're going to canvas uh, certain neighborhoods around both of our campuses. So that's next week, uh, this coming week on Saturday. So be sure, let's show up in great numbers, okay? We need you to show up. <clears throat> We're going to be handing out flyers uh, pertaining to our Fall Fest and information about our church. So we need bodies. We need you to show up. Uh, Tupelo Campus, we need you guys to show up uh, over there. And we need you to show up at the South Tillo campus as well in great numbers. Did I say that? In great numbers. And we're not going to keep you a long time. It's not going to, you can take actually as much time as you want. You can uh, hang with us on a whole uh, street or if you just got a little bit of time, do as much as you can, but we really could use you this Saturday. So we're pumped about that. All right. Again, are you glad you came to church today? Say Amen. 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 This series is, a, is going to be about how to reach people for Christ. Today, specifically, uh, the importance of 
why it's so urgent that, that we do it. Our, really, our vision at North Star is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Very simple, it's short. <clears throat> our vision is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. That means uh, in our neighborhood, across the street, and across the sea. So that's our vision. That's why we believe that God has put us here to do that. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But our vision at North Star is really based, and when we, when we started North Star almost 12 years ago, it was, it was then and it is now uh, based on two important passages of Scripture. Matthew chapter 22 is one of them, verse 37. Somebody had just asked Jesus a question. They said, Jesus, uh, teacher, rabbi, which is the great, greatest commandment in the law? And so Jesus uh, answers and says this in verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, Jesus uh, had come to the earth. He had come from heaven to earth uh, on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. And that was to, to, uh, to give his life as a ransom, to give his life uh, for, for us. And so he had already... Uh, grown and he had already begun his public ministry and he was finishing his ministry and then he was crucified. It didn't end there. On the cross he conquered sin and three days later in the resurrection he conquered death. So on the cross he conquered sin, in the resurrection he conquered death and Jesus was risen from the dead. And this is some of the final words that Jesus gave to his followers. And he said to Matthew, Matthew 28, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority is given, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Do you wonder where that vision statement came from? All right? Our vision is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I am with you uh, always to the very end of the age. So we believe at North Star, and you, you, you would learn this in Growth Track 1, which is uh, being uh, offered next week at the Tupelo campus, that we believe that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. Can I get an amen from somebody that's been through Growth Track 1? And so that's what we believe, and that's how we're operating. Now, the, the passage today is found in Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning there, uh, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be set ready to go in just a moment. But I want to give you some background leading up to this passage. Some background. Uh, Jesus was on earth. He was ministering and um, teaching and uh, doing his public ministry. And 
uh, several things happen in the earlier part of this chapter. For example, a paralyzed man was brought to Jesus. Maybe you've heard that story. Jesus heals him, tells him his sins are forgiven. Really, that's two miracles. And he says, take your mat and walk and go. And what I like about that story is, is that, that he told him to take his mat. I'm thinking, why did he tell him to take his mat? That's where, where he had lived. That was his space. That was his place. It had been all of these years because he was paralyzed. I'm thinking, why did Jesus, he had a good reason, why did Jesus tell the guy in Mark to take up his mat and walk? I think, uh, uh, this is just my thinking, and the, you know, the guy probably said, uh, thanks Jesus, my sins are forgiven, thank you, my uh, paralyzed condition has been healed. Thank you. I'm just going to leave this mat. I've been married to this mat all my life. I don't want it. Jesus said, no, I want you to take it and, and go. I want you to take the mat with you. And the guy was thinking, that's all right, but thanks anyway, Jesus, especially for the miracle and for my sins being forgiven. No, I want you to take it. That's all right. I'd pick one of these up on the way home at Walmart. It'd be a fresh one. No, I want you to take that one. Why? Well, I believe every day when the man got up, and was healed, every day when he got up, he saw that mat, and he's thinking, yep, that's, that's, where I, that's who I used to be. Uh, somebody comes over to the house for dinner, and they say, man, is that that mat that you laid on all those years? Yep, that's it. Why you still got it? So you'll ask about it. <laughs> and let me tell you what has happened to me. That's not the only miracle that happened in the book of Mark, in the book of Matthew chapter 9. Uh, one uh, Matthew, which was a, a tax collector, and back then they were considered this, this, uh, the, the sin of all sins is to be a, a, a tax collector. And Matthew followed Jesus. In other words, uh, he put his trust in Jesus to be his Savior. And Jesus went to dinner with him, and Matthew invited a lot of his friends. This is where Jesus was criticized by the religious people. Here's Jesus. He's eating with sinners. And Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so uh, that took place in the, in the book of Mark chapter 9. Another one was um, a woman that had been sick all of her life with, with this horrible condition. Jesus healed her. Another one is when uh, a man brought his little girl that had died to Jesus and Jesus brought her back to life. Some other miracles like the healing of the blind and the mute also took place. But I wanted to just kind of set this up to tell you now, after all of those miracles have taken place, I want you to see what Jesus is about to say. All right, you ready? Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming, say it with me, the good news. Say that with me. Proclaiming the good news. What is the good news of the kingdom? I'm going to tell you. And healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I want you to pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to read your word. I pray you'll bless the reading of your word today and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, 
why are we always talking about reaching people for Christ? Why, why, are we, why are we always saying that? Because Jesus said it. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. When on Vision Sunday, uh, I talked about this some, that, that uh, our, part of our strategy is the 121. I'm going to talk just a moment about it. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why we're constantly talking about invite people, invite people, bring people with you. Invite people to church. You invite them, we'll tell them. We want you to tell them too. That's why we're offering the Three Circles training. And uh, th that is such a, a powerful tool. Let me tell you why. Number one, if you're taking notes, because people matter to God. People matter to God. He, he wants people. The Bible says that it is not his desire that anyone uh, perish, but that all would come in repentance. It's God's desire for every person, whether it's down the street, whether it's at your school, whether it's at your plant, it is God's desire that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came down so we could go up. Can I get an amen? He came down to, gay, to pay the price for our sins so that we can be forgiven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. I don't know if it's good for you or not, but when I memorize certain verses in the Bible, so many of them, uh, I, I memorize from the King James Version, so I'll be talking, you know, quoting, who knows what I'm quoting. You, you need to look it up, make sure I'm, I'm doing it right, okay? So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, his one and only, his one-of-a-kind son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, praise God, but have everlasting life. That means that we can be forgiven. Some are listening to me today, either uh, at, at our campuses or online or at a future date, and God is speaking to you that he came to this earth for you. In every person, there's a, a, a void in every person's heart. I like to, I've heard it called a God-shaped void that only God can fill, a Christ-shaped void that only Christ can fill. Some are listening today and you have that void and you've tried to, to use uh, prestige or power or popularity or possessions or pleasure to fill the emptiness in your heart. And I'm telling you, in case you've never been told, none of those things will fill the emptiness in your heart. Only God. And the Bible says that God loves us so much that he sent his son that we could be forgiven. There's a passage of scripture in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. And he tells three stories. One is the story of the shepherd that had a hundred sheep. One sheep gets lost, wanders off. The Bible says, what does the shepherd do? The Bible says that the shepherd left the 99 and went after the one. People matter to God. And what matters to God must matter to us. Another story in Luke 15 is, is the story of a woman that had 10 pieces of silver. She misplaces one of them. And what does the Bible say? 
she took a searchlight and she searched the entire house until she found the one piece that was missing. That's a picture of God's love for you. The third story in the Luke 15 is, is the prodigal son story. He, he's the prodigal. He leaves home. He takes his inheritance that he wasn't even supposed to get until his father died, but he took it anyway, and he left. He bolted. He went out, and the Bible says he lived his life on riotous living. He lived his life. He spent all of his money, but his father never gave up. The Bible says that his father every day would look down the road to see if his son was coming. Every day he was longing that his son would come home. Every day he watched, and the Bible says that the prodigal son came to his senses. In other words, the light came on. He realized, look, I, I was better off living at home as a servant of my father than I am in the mess that I've got myself into. And the Bible says that he came home. Amen? And guess what? The father was waiting on him. And the scripture says that he ran out to meet him and he fell down at his son's feet. And his son, that's a picture of, of God and his unconditional love. His father didn't say, what are you doing? Why, why are you back? Come up here smelling like pig slop. He smelt like pig slop because he was eating pig slop. He'd gotten so destitute. No, his father was, was waiting on him to come back. I'm telling you today that people, church people, matter to God. That's why we talk about 121. 121 is uh, reaching 1% of the unchurched people in our four-county area by the year 2021. Let me illustrate that. Let me break that down. In a four-county area of both of our campuses, there are 168,000 people. Did you hear me? 168,000. On any given Sunday, on October the 8th, 20, 2017, on any given Sunday, only 10%, about 10%, we've read the statistics, only about 10% are sitting in a house of worship. Well, 10% of 168,000 is 16,800 people that are, that, are, that are attending church today. You're, you're part of them. Only 16,800 people out of 168,000. So what about the 151,200 people that's left? I don't know. Where are they? They're your neighbors. They're my neighbors. They're, they're shopping. They're, they're mowing. They're at the movies. They're sitting at home. They're grilling out. Bless God. Just not during church, okay? Um, before and after, but not during. Do it before. I'd love to smell that aroma all during the day. But what are they doing? They're at the mall. So it is our desire, it is our goal, it is our vision to reach 1% of those. That's not a big goal. It's a reachable goal, but it's not a big goal. 1% would be 1,512 people. And so why is, that, why is that our goal? Because people matter. The Bible says in verse 35, if you want to turn back in your text, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogue and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So what do we need to do with that knowledge? I, I've often heard with knowledge comes responsibility. I have given you some knowledge today. With knowledge 
comes responsibilities. So what do we do? How do, how do we make a difference? How do we reach that 1%? If you're taking notes, number one, ask God to give you passion. Passion is, is a compelling emotion. And God has passion. God is a passionate God. He loves us. He loves us. He's so passionate about us that he illustrated it like a shepherd going after one sheep. God wants us. He wants a relationship with you. People matter to God. So what we need, we're not God. Thank God. (laughs) We would have messed things up bad. But what we need to do is have what God has. He created us in his image. And so we need to ask God, God, give us a, give us a, a passion, a passion for the lost, a passion for my relative, a passion for my neighbor, a passion for my coworker. God, give us a passion for the 151,200 people in a four-county area that aren't in a relationship with God. And then in verse 36, the Bible says, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed like a sheep without a shepherd. So second, we need to ask God for compassion. Ask God to give you compassion. Some of you would say, Pastor T, I'm not the most compassionate person in the world, all right? And sometimes that's a cop-out to kind of cover up the fact that we we may not be compassionate and we don't want to do anything about it. The the truth is, we're created in the image of God. and, and, And what we need to ask is, God, would you give me God-like compassion? God, that's, that's one of his chief character traits of God is, is compassion. And he, he loves us and he cares for us and he wants us to, to want what he wants. And he wants us to love people like he loves them. Oh God, that we could see people like Jesus sees people. What if we could touch people like Jesus touched people? What if we could love people like Jesus loved people? Jesus was definitely, had a heart of compassion. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, as he approached, this is the, the, if you've heard the triumphant entry, this is as Jesus was getting close to the city. He was at a point that he could actually stand there and look over the city and the The Bible says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. Jesus was, had such a strong compassion for people. Why? Because people matter to God. Paul in the New Testament, in chapter 9, he said in verse 1, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not, li- I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it. And, and, th- and through the Holy Spirit, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. 
For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. What Paul was saying is, I I have such a a compassion. I, I have such a heart that my own people would come to Christ. Those of my own race, he says, the people of Israel. When you develop a God-like compassion, I'm telling you something, it, it changes you. It, it, it changes things. It changes how you respond to people. It changes how you react to the cashier. It changes about how the guy that cuts you off in traffic affects you. It change, when, when you start having a heart for people like Jesus had a heart for people, it changes you. It changes how you view things that are happening around you. It changes how you feel about somebody asking for help. It changes the very direction of your life. It changes how you give. It changes how you treat your neighbor. It changes, it even changes the size of tip that you leave the, 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 the attendant, the waitress or the waiter. When God touches your heart for people, you'll see that so many things of the world really don't matter anymore. And then in verse 35 it says again, Jesus went to all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease, and sickness, which leads to the third one. Not only do we need to ask God, oh God, give me passion for the lost. God, give me compassion in my heart. The third thing you need to ask God, ask God to help you to remember. To remember. To remember what it's like to be lost. Ask God to help you to remember what it's like to to be hopeless in a, a sea of hopelessness. Do you know that we're just Jesus away from helplessness and hopelessness? What do you mean? What do you mean, T? Uh, I'm just Jesus away. What if I had not made that decision? Some of you have not made that decision. And I'm telling you, we're just Jesus away from a a life of helplessness and hopelessness. It's like being in an ocean, the sea. It's, uh, you're you're stranded in, in the sea and each day the sea is deeper. And every time you get water in your mouth, you're thirstier than you were. And you look across the sea to the horizon thinking, man, if I could just see something, if I could just see some land or an island. But you never do. That's what lostness is. We need to ask God to help us to remember that without Christ, there would be an eternity in hell. Hell is real. But as Even though hell is the most awful thing that we could possibly imagine, what's worse than hell is total, eternal separation from Jesus Christ. For eternity, no turning back. 
No second chance. Not in hell. Oh God, help us to help us to remember. Jesus told uh, his disciples, and I'm going to quote this quick because I want to get to the verse. Jesus said uh, to his disciples, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Bless God. I will come again and bring you to where I'm at. There you may be also. One of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus said, all right, so, uh, all right, so, like, if you're going away, uh, like, how, how are we going to know how to get there? I mean, you're going to leave us a mouth or what? Uh, you're going away. We get that. They didn't understand it, but they were getting it. And one of the disciples said, if you're going to go away, how are we going to know the way? This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I, I am the way. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you a blueprint. Well, I am. It's called the Bible. But uh, I am the way. You want to get to the Father, it's through me. I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. If you're listening and there is a void in your heart, Jesus is the only way. It's not religion. It's not baptism. It's not church attendance. Jesus, did you hear me? Jesus is the only way to the Father. Paul wrote in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, um, he says in verse um, 12, remember that at that time, this is without Christ, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now... But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know when I opened this morning, I said, we exist so that those that are far from God can draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. If you remember me saying that, both campuses, just shake your head and humor me. So, okay, thank you. Did you shake your head at all? I mean, did anybody shake their head? Okay. This is where we got it from. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. People, people matter to God. The second thing I want to tell you is that not only do people matter to God, but our, our text told us today that the need is so great. There's so many people, just in four-county area, 168,000 people that only 10%, 151,200 aren't attending church. The need is great. It's not just across the sea that we go to be missionaries. It's across the street. It's in the break room. It's, it's by phone. It's at the club, the good clubs. 
Well, it's at those clubs too. And the need is great. Let me ask you something. What is 750,000 miles long and can circle the globe 30 times? What is 750,000 miles long that it can circle the globe 30 times and every day it grows by 20 miles? Let me tell you, it's lost people. It's people without Christ standing back to back, back to back, would circle the globe 30 times and it's growing 20 miles every day the need is great so what do we do about it we've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus when Jesus ascended right after Matthew 28 right after Acts 1 8 when Jesus ascended into heaven he said I'm I'm gone I'm out boys I'm out of here (laughs) and now he's seated at the right hand of the father But he said, I'm going to send my spirit to you. And so I have the spirit of God living within me. If you're a believer, a follower of Christ, so do you. And now we are the hands and feet of Jesus. The need is great, so what do we do about it? The only way to revolutionize the public is for the church to be in the public. Did did y'all hear that? If we're going to revolutionize the world, if we're going to revolutionize the public, we're going to have to get out in the public. We can't stay cooped up in our holy huddles and just let what we do on Sunday be all that we are. It's 24-7. Christianity is not based on one day. It's based on seven days. It is giving God your life and it's, Going out into the public, that's why we want you to be with us Saturday when we canvass. And the other times that we're going to be canvassing and and serving uh, in in our communities. Our first first Saturday serve day is going to be December, I think it's the second. It's the first Saturday of December. And these are the times that we can be in the public and that that we can make a difference. So, the need is great. Last, we're his plan. There is no other plan. It's not like uh, Jesus died on the cross and went to heaven and said, well, I hope this works. I told him, I told him before I flew up here, he ascended, I don't know that he flew, but anyway, uh, Jesus said, I told him, I said, go make disciples. I know one church is trying to do it. They they even say our vision is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. I hope they do it. If not, we'll just back up and punt. That's not what Jesus said. There is no other plan. It is his plan. We are his plan. We're the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. But in our text, it, it, it doesn't say that we have a God who does not call but there's, it is man who will not respond. It's not God that doesn't call. He's calling us. He said, the harvest truly is 
plentiful, plenteous, but the, the laborers, the workers are few. It's not God who doesn't call, it's man who will not respond. I pray, you may wish I didn't pray this for you, but I am. I pray for every one of you at both of our campuses and who are listening, I pray that God would break your heart for the lost. Tear you up. Squeeze your heart for the lost. You know, you're sitting across the office from someone. Somebody's coming to your mind right now in your family that's lost. On Vision Sunday, we handed you a tile, which we ask that you pray for that tile. Uh, it represents a person, but pray for that person. Let that be a visible reminder. And then when that person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, when they encounter the gospel head on, we're going to have a display where we're going to be displaying those, those tiles. Hudson Taylor said, um, I, I, I've quoted this for years, and I, I, I guess I forgot who I was quoting, but Hudson Taylor said, the Great Commission is not a, an option to be considered, but a command that must be obeyed. That's powerful. Um, Charles Spurgeon said, it is the whole business of the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. That's pretty good too, isn't it? You probably don't think I can say it again. I can. It's the whole business of the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. That means everyone, every day, everywhere. David Platt said, radical Radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not wealth or prosperity or comfort. In fact, you may have to give up those. But it's all worth it to see people falling at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. Radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's going to cost you, but it's worth it to see people fall at the feet of Jesus and worship him. What's your part? When will you start making a difference? Christ. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the word. And God, I, it's so applicable to our hearts. It's fresh. It's real. God, you've challenged me in this message. I pray that your Holy Spirit would challenge people here today. I'm going to ask that heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and you're going to have plenty of time to get wherever you need to go. But I, I, I want to if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, if, you, if you've never filled that void 
in your heart. I want to give you an opportunity right now to do that. This is a sacred moment. That's why it's so important that, that we're not moving around. There's somebody next to you or behind you or in front of you that needs to do this. Let's just let the Spirit of God speak. And I told you it's more than just repeating words. So this, this is a declaration from your heart. You can say these words, but, but this has to come from you. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Just tell him. That's what you need to tell him. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and he rose on the third day. I repent, I turn from my sin, and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come and live in my heart. I put my trust in you as my Savior, and I follow you as Lord. If that was your decision today, just pause and thank God. God, thank you. Thank you for saving me and filling the emptiness in my heart. If that was your decision today, I want, I want to ask you to take the bottom part of the handout that you received. There's a, a place you can tear off the card. We want to ask that you let us know. You can fill it out and say today, there's a place that you can check today. I accepted Christ as my Savior. If you'll bring it to us, one of our pastors, or to guest services at both campuses, we have a book that we want to give you that will help you. Plus, that lets us know that you made that decision. And by the way, a tile can go on the board for you. I'm going to ask that everyone please stand. Maybe your prayer today as a believer is, Lord, help me to be faithful. Help me to uh, be who you created me to be. Father, I pray for every man and woman, boy and girl, student. Today, I pray that you would take these closing moments of worship and God not to be a time where we get out as quick as we can, but God, a time that we reflect and, and remember our lostness and remember who you created us to be. And God, thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had today to worship you. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.